Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Heat Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Perfect Secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, fan-sided DDT. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Hope you and the family had a great Thanksgiving. How was it? It was pretty good. Still feeling the Thanksgiving turkey uh, hangover right now. But uh, yeah, as we speak, Black Friday, I'm looking forward more, looking more forward to the deals on uh, pro wrestling tees and WWE shopping <laughs> and anything else. But yeah, Thanksgiving was uh, pretty solid overall. Oh, so that means you are planning to buy a two out of three falls podcast t-shirt, right, guy? Of course, my friend. You got to plug the t-shirts. There you go. Perfect. That's, that's right. ProWrestlingTees.com slash cruise control for two out of three falls podcast t-shirts um did you did you uh watch any old throwback survivor series during uh thanksgiving weekend i did not but i should have i was thinking about that uh, last weekend i was just super busy but uh yeah no better time to rewatch old thanksgiving classics than uh and then you know other than survivor series survivor series was held on thanksgiving for so many years in the early formation of the pay-per-view back in the early or late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. but uh yeah no some of those are classic shows and they're all rewatch worth rewatching even days later you can follow graham on twitter at russell rants you can find me on twitter at randy j cruz r-e-n-d-y the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Speaking of Survivor Series, we had Survivor Series, I believe, last weekend with also with TakeOver. Um, real quick, what did you make of TakeOver and what did you make of uh, Survivor Series? Overall, I thought it was a really strong weekend by WWE. I thought they did a great job with both TakeOver and Survivor Series. Uh, TakeOver was great as always. Not even the best TakeOver of the year. Um, and that says a lot just because those other shows were so great. Um, but TakeOver War Games 3 was still a very good show. Two great War Games matches, uh, which is such a treat to have. And WWE, under the WWE umbrella, you know, in 2019, after not seeing it for so many years on a major stage. Um, but two great matches. Matt Riddle, Finn Balor, very Oregon match and the other match. What was the other match on that show? I don't even remember. Was it the uh, the triple threat, the Pete Dunne Priest? Oh, right, yeah. Pete Dunne, Damian Priest killing Dania. That was a good match as well. So, yeah, overall, really good show. Kevin Owens returned. Dakota Kai went heel. Uh, very good show. We had Survivor Series Sunday. Um, probably one of the stronger installments of Survivor Series in recent memory. Um, I thought overall the brand supremacy stuff, which most people could not get two shits about, was well done in the whole NXT stealing the weekend uh, with four wins to SmackDown's two to Raw's one, which was very surprising. A pleasant surprise at that. On um, the Chicago crowd was great. Um, no real major questionable booking decisions, which was good. The main event of Survivor Series kind of disappointed, but in yeah. a nutshell, though, I thought overall very fun weekend of wrestling. Uh, I like War Games. I did not see the triple threat match, the Pete Dunn match. I think uh, some NBA game was on, so I was going back and forth. I liked, um, I liked both War Games matches. Um... I like the Finn Balor Matt Riddle match. 
they're doing a lot of good booking for Adam Cole and Rhea Ripley lately. They've been on top of the game for uh, for, uh, for about a month now with you know the, the the big push with NXT and them going on Wednesdays. And I, I guess uh, the question I want to ask you is one: why why do you think NXT won majority of the matches at Survivor Series, and do you think there's a, there's a background to it where they want to push the NXT brand so hard? And the Adam Coles and the Ripley, so that more more of their fan base can watch NXT on Wednesday nights when they go up against uh, AEW. That's probably what it was. They probably realized the importance in putting over NXT over Raw and SmackDown just because of Raw wins, which they have for the last two or three years now. It wouldn't really mean anything. What else is new, you know? And not to say that they weren't going to do that because there's always the chance. Like when having Raw go over SmackDown last year, what was the purpose of that? Zero purpose. So again, that's why I expected that to happen. Um, SmackDown winning, I could certainly see just because it's on Fox now. They're trying to push that as the A show and it's very rare. They put over something that's not, I mean, it is their own because NXT is WWE, but it's a completely different product than what the main roster puts out. It's not Vince controlled or whatever. So again, I figured they would squash that despite all the momentum they've had going into the pay-per-view. I figured they would lose and that have that be it, whatever. Mm -hmm. But no, they won decisively too. Again, four to two to one. That's a pretty solid victory for NXT, which tells me that Vince is gung-ho about having NXT beat AEW in the ratings. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, obviously he cares about that type of stuff because NXT at the end of the day is still under his umbrella that is wwe um but i thought it was the right call anyway even putting that to the side nxt is the superior brand right now with the best roster i would say um and i thought it was the right call to have them go over so we'll see if it affects the ratings we discussed this over text yesterday but the ratings will not be out as far as i know i did a quick search monday because of the thanksgiving and black friday holidays right so we're, we're gonna have to wait a while to find out who won in the ratings i i can't imagine it's gonna be a big difference in aew too you got to remember Remember, NXT up until like the day of the show did not advertise much in advance, aside from the fact that they wanted Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. AEW, on the other hand, had uh, had advertised an AEW World Championship match a week out between Chris Jericho and Scorpio Sky. So they had a bunch of stuff advertised. Kenny Omega and Pac also happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I would not be surprised if Dynamite went back in the lead for, for the ratings. But uh, overall, two good shows. But I guess we'll have to wait until Monday to find out who will go over in the ratings for week. I think this was week nine of the Wednesday Night Wars. And, that, and that's a question I ask you. So my, let's say hypothetically AEW wins this week. Then, you know, the big push from NXT, then winning Survivor Series and this and that and would it be a disappointment if the ratings come out this week and NXT does lose? Not really. Um, I, I don't think so. Again, I figured that having them win the last week, previous week, um, was a one-time deal just because they had advertised all the main roster superstars on the show. And again, it wasn't a, a slam dunk victory. It's not like they won by hundreds of thousands of viewers, at least right. I, as far as I can remember. I think it was pretty close. Then it was pretty close the week prior to that, too. Um, I don't think it would be a disappointment. I think Dynamite... We can argue all day long which one, which show is superior, but I think right now more people are interested in seeing what Dynamite will do over NXT. Uh-huh. So, were there efforts at Survivor Series for nothing if they don't win this week? I don't think so. I think they should have won anyway. Um, and I applaud WWE for doing that because that took a lot of balls to put NXT over Raw and SmackDown because, again, I, I never really saw them doing something along those lines. It's like having 
to a certain extent having WCW and ECW and the invasion win the invasion as opposed to WWE or having, you know, the whole narrative with Triple H and, and, and Sting at WrestleMania 31 where Sting was WCW and Triple H was WWE. Mm. They never had the WCW guys or, you know, the rival promotion, that being NXT in this circumstance, win, but they did. So, um, you know, I, I could see it being close going forward because, again, I hope people are starting to realize that NXT is a great show and Dynamite – not that the honeymoon phase, not, not 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 that the honeymoon phase is over, but like I tuned into Dynamite for the first few weeks of its premiere just to see what they would do, and it's not like it's an infinitely better show than NXT. Um, honestly, more often than not, I think NXT is a better show. Dynamite, I honestly thought this week was probably their weakest showing yet. Mm. Um, NXT wasn't a home run show by any means, but I thought it was a far better show overall. But um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, so before I get back to Survivor Series and War Games, uh, I did not see AEW this week, nor NXT. Um, you know, holiday stuff and basketball was on. So um, I did, when I when I flipped onto it, I saw Jericho in the ring doing some celebration. And that was pretty, I saw his father come out. So I, I really don't know from that point on after. I did not see anything NXT. I saw the beginning where it was uh, Undisputed Era outside. Then it had Keith Lee and Champ and those guys in the ring. They were talking. And after that, that was it. So, I mean, I, I will check it out. But did I really miss much from NXT and AEW this week? Dynamite, no. Um, I don't think there was really worth much going out of your way to see. I thought Jericho and Sky was solid. Uh, mm. Far from must-see, though. I mean, it was a good match, but not as not not a pay-per-view main event or anything like that. I wasn't a big fan of doing the match anyway. I don't think Scorpio Sky should have been the first person to beat Chris Jericho in AEW, or at least pin him, at least. Um, it, it was a good show. Omega and Pac was pretty good. Um, not as good as it could have been, but it was good. Um, the Lucha Bros and Best friends good match having the best friends beat lucha bros i didn't get that at all um they debuted a new faction with um the butcher the bunny and the blade who gives a fuck i mean the crowd did not <laughs> give two shits about that it was Me it was either. dumb um nxt i thought was again a better show far from us say but they did do balor and champa which was good okay. um, not as good as it could have been um but i thought it was solid um the opening tag team title match with undisputed era and then keith lee and dominic dijakovic was great i thought that was the best thing on the entire show dakota kai had her first match as a heel with candice LeRae, which was a really good match too mm-hmm. uh, good angle there they furthered the chain of baszler rhea ripley feud um so yeah overall i thought it was a pretty good show not the greatest episode of nxt yet um but again it was a pretty good show overall but in terms of stuff you missed not much <laughs> um survivor series so we had 10 total matches on the card real quick uh ziggler and rue defeated uh street profits uh in a tag team battle royal okay leo rush defeated Tazawa and Callisto to retain the Cruiserweight title. I did not see those two matches. The Viking Raiders were the only win for, for Raw. <laughs> and mm-hmm. a triple threat tag team match. I did not see that match at all. All right, the main card. I did see uh, Team NXT for the women defeat Team Raw, Team SmackDown. Um, that was okay. Now, Roderick Strong, AJ Nakamura. I did not see this match, but they had Strong go over. And I think this is one of those matches where it's like, 
you know, in hindsight or whatever, just saying, all right, do you believe Roger Strong's going to go in there and beat AJ and Nakamura in the first night out? And I know they want to solidify the brand supremacy and push NXT, but when you do the math, when it, like when it came to when it came to the main event, I think it was I could be wrong. I think it was like three, two, one, three NXT, two SmackDown, one Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, like. Uh, I'm trying to figure out would it have made it more more interesting if the, when the final match came that everybody was tied up to a degree because again the Viking Raiders were the only only dub for for Raw which is sounds crazy um, SmackDown got two NXT got three would it have made more sense to go into the final match everybody tied up in the winner you know winner take all. No, just because they've done that, I feel like, every year for the past three or four years. I mean, not last year because SmackDown got swept by Raw. Exactly. But they've done that before. It's so predictable. Like, I mean, I guess it makes sense, and they can control the outcomes, obviously. But I feel like if you do that every year, it just becomes predictable who wins what. So I thought this was a unique situation where Raw was so far behind. SmackDown was right there. If they had won, if Bailey had somehow you know uh, picked up the victory by pinning either Becky or Baszler, then she would have tied it up for SmackDown, um, which would have been, okay, three and three. What does that really do? So I think Baszler winning was kind of a set-in-stone decision. But um, no, I- I'm glad they did it the way they did it. It was more realistic. It's not in every circumstance when you do this shit every year. Is it going to be three Raw, three SmackDown, three NXTO? Oh, it's tie, all tied up like maybe once, and they did it a few years ago. And even then, it kind of felt a little forced because that's the only like you can't do that every year. So I thought I was kind of glad they kind of went out of their way this year to make it a bit more lopsided in favor of NXT without squashing any one brand. Um, I think for me, as as a fan. That when it comes to these matches, you know, I know you want to put out brand supremacy, like like we all care about that. But I think if there should be an incentive, like, all right, if you win Survivor Series, your brand gets something. I, I, I'm not saying like a fucking trophy or whatever, but like maybe if your brand wins, you get like, uh, I don't know, like all right, Rumble, uh, Rumble's coming up. So maybe you guys can figure out who gets like the 30th pick or some shit like that where it's like, all right, NXT won Survivor Series, now what? Who who cares now? Who who cares a week later? So I think that's the part where as fans are like, all right, what do you get out of all this? Mm -hmm. And and whether it could be the Rumble, it could be the... um, the first pick in the next in the in the draft the following year some some something something on those lines because you you winning four two to one doesn't mean shit now you know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. I mean, I think the company's aware of that just because Corey Graves went on their official WWE podcast and said, "Oh, you know, Survivor Series needs stakes." Ember Moon said the same thing on backstage when Punk was on about a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like they're aware that Survivor Series has no stakes and there's no real reason for any one viewer to give a shit about brand supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they—I mean, this is not a new concept because I was going to say maybe they knew in advance that NXT would win this whole thing, and then obviously they're not going to—I mean, they're going to be in the Rumble like one or two people. Yeah, but not, it's not going to be like 10, 10, and ten from each brand so i'm thinking okay maybe that's why they didn't do anything like that but this again is far from a new concept they've been doing this brand supremacy shit now since 2016 and never at any point in those three other installments of this pay-per-view had they done anything resembling stakes for either raw or smackdown smackdown got swept last year and it meant nothing 
because it was never brought up again. It was it wasn't a storyline. It was just a complete waste of a show. Right. So yeah, I feel like they are aware of that. They've heard the criticism from the fans, the talent, the personnel, whatever. I don't think that really changes their mind one iota. Um, otherwise, they would have done it by now. But yeah, I do agree. It is kind of sad when you think about how the finals of the mixed match challenge tournament, that terrible show they did last year, um, had more stakes than the Survivor Series pay-per-view did. Because remember, R-Truth and Carmella won that tournament, yeah. and they were number 30, respectively, in the men's and women's Royal Rumble matches. Like, how did that have more stakes than the fucking Survivor, Survivor Series pay-per-view? Like, it makes no sense. Um, but I agree. Like, either they get the main event of WrestleMania, like you said, or the 30th spot in um in the royal rumble or even an extra draft pick like allow nxt to pick someone from raw or smackdown to bring back to nxt like i feel like that would make sense too even though nxt wasn't technically involved in the draft this year aside from uh drafting away the street profits so um anyway uh yeah i thought yeah definitely the show was good but a week later we're you know five days removed from this event why should i care about nxt winning aside from yeah it's cool they do have the superior roster yeah but in retrospect, what does it even really mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like if you main event Survivor Series with the, you know, traditional five on five match, whoever is the sole survivor from that match gets like a title, uh, a title shot at the Rumble or something. Yeah. Like is mm-hmm. my thing. I don't care about it now because it, it 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 is what it is. You're trying to get more people to watch NXT and and I totally get it, but it's like, all right, all those all those people uh, perform, what the fuck do they get and they get nothing, but either way. Um Adam Cole defeated Pete Dunne. That's the that's the one match I did not see. Um how was that match because people took uh keep telling me to to go ahead and watch that. Yeah, I think you should watch it, dude. I thought it was the best match in the entire show. And that's not uh, okay. just my NXT bias. Like, watching every match on the show and the men's elimination match down the stretch was really, really good. Um, but I thought the best match on that entire show was Adam Cole and Pete Dunne, which was honestly a little surprising just because I figured they were kind of forced to do an NXT championship match on the show just because, you know, the Universal Championship was defended and the WWE title was defended and they they weren't going to do Brock, Bray, and Adam because that Mm. doesn't really make much sense on paper. So they were kind of forced to have Adam Cole defend his championship in a match that had zero build. Pete Dunne just became the number one contender on Saturday. Right. They have a little bit of history from last year, but aside from that, no storyline going. It's not like it was Tommaso Ciampa going for the title um so it was kind of a random match that being said they went out there and they fucking killed it they had an nxt takeover level worthy match um in front of a chicago crowd that appreciated it and it was a it was a really really good match i don't think a lot of people figured uh you know a lot of people thought that pete dunn would win the championship but adam cole did walk into survivor series injured after what he you know the injuries and storyline that he endured at war games oh yeah so pete dunn had, did have a storyline reason to go in there and win um but yeah overall it was easily the best match on the entire show definitely worth watching back now if you haven't seen it and what a what a muff for for adam cole um survivor series defending his title war games uh, that 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 um that bump from the top of the cage, man. I was like, ooh. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. And plus, we you know, Chava coming back from from the from the injury, and then Cole is um you know doing his normal stuff on NXT. He beat Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. Uh, did he beat Seth on Raw too? 
No, that ended in a DQ. DQ. But he did face him in the main event of Raw in his first match on Raw, so that's saying something, yeah. too. So he gets Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, uh, a heavy push on NXT, the main event of War Games, um, a, a title match on Survivor Series. Like, this guy, him, him and Ripley, they're, they're really... Um, Going, f- you know, all, you know, no pun intended, all out <laughs> on mm-hmm. trying to make those two people the, the 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 staples of the show, and I think they did a, uh, a pretty good job of doing that. Yeah, no, and they should too because they're definitely deserving of the pushes they're getting right now. I, I thought they had the biggest breakout performances of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, them, and then an honorable mention to Keith Lee, who you know had a really good showing in the War Games main event. His team won. Right. Um, he didn't win on Sunday, but I thought he came away from that match, the elimination tag team match with Roman, looking like an absolute star. Um, but yeah, I know it was. It, you know, he looked great. Rhea Ripley's a fucking star, and you know, you mentioned all the Adam Cole accomplishments. Rhea Ripley, um, you know, she was also on that first show on SmackDown a couple weeks ago. She beat mm-hmm. Mandy Rose and Sonya within a minute. This week on SmackDown, or a week ago, rather, at this point, because I forgot it's Friday, uh, she beat Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Or not Becky, I'm sorry. Uh, um, Sasha, Sasha. In that yeah. triple threat match. She pinned Charlotte clean to win that match. Winning war games and a four-on-two advantage. You know, she overcame the odds to win that match alongside Candice LeRae on Saturday. Great match. Big win. And then being the sole survivor for her team on Sunday. So, yeah. she had a bigger weekend probably than Adam Cole, but... um. You know, she's been a breakout star for that NXT women's division since she came over from NXT UK a couple months ago. Um, she's still making appearance in she's still making appearances in NXT UK. And then Adam Cole, I mean, honestly, I know it's late November and we'll get to this next month. I think a case can be made, and I know I'm not alone in thinking this. I think a case can be made for him being the superstar of the year for WWE, including the main roster. I don't know who has had a better year, aside from maybe Becky Lynch, than Adam Cole in terms of you know, uh, accomplishments in the ring, just having amazing matches. Like the guy has never really been regarded as being on Rollins's level or Daniel Bryan's level or AJ or whoever, in terms of in-ring ability, the guy's always been a great character. He always kind of comes across as a better, you know, uh, a talker than he does a wrestler, but the matches he's had this year alone with the likes of Johnny Gargano, the takeovers, he had some amazing matches with, um, Matt Riddle on NXT, um, you know, on, on that first step, not the first episode of NXT on USA, but it was like the second or third when they went head to head of the AEW dynamite. Mm-hmm. That match was fantastic. The match with Daniel Bryan was really good. The match with Pete Dunne at survivor series was also great. The best match on the show on the entire show, in my opinion. So, uh, again, I think a case can be made for Adam Cole, being the star of the year for WWE coming, uh, you know, come the end of 2019. Well, I was happy that my guy Bray Wyatt is still champion. <laughs> so I was, oh, of just, course, you know, I, I didn't think he was going to lose it, but you know, it, you just never know with the company. So the fiend Bray Wyatt defeats Daniel Bryan, uh, in 10 minutes to, uh, to the, uh, to keep his universal championship. What did you make of that? And, or more importantly, What's your take on the recent booking of the Fiend Bray Wyatt? And are you, as a fan, nervous that down the road that they're, they're gonna really make his make this whole thing not as special as it once was when you first debuted as the Fiend? I mean, that's always a fear. Um, that's always a fear with anyone in WWE, just because they tend to take people that are special, uh, whether they you know create them themselves or they come from NXT or whatever, and they make them less special, um, usually quite quickly. So that'll always be a fear. But I think so far they've done a pretty good job of making him out to be a star. I mean, 
we can all say with, with you know 100% assurance here that he should have won that match at Hell in the Cell. He absolutely should have won the championship then. Better late than never, but that match with Rollins kind of hurt his stock a little bit. The Crown Jewel match wasn't much better, um, but still, it was at least he won the championship then. So those two matches, and then I thought the Daniel Bryan match, I mean, it goes without saying, but it was the best match he's had yet as the Fiend. He's only had four, obviously. Mm. Uh, the Balor match was a squash, and the two Rollins matches sucked. Um, <laughs> but Daniel Bryan, unsurprisingly, giving him his best match yet as the Fiend, um, it was exactly what it needed to be. About a five, ten-minute match, Bryan brought back the yes chant. The crowd was behind him. They weren't booing Bryan just because they loved the Fiend. I thought this was perfect. This was a great match. Wyatt didn't kick out at 20 finishers. Daniel Bryan didn't hit, you know, the running knee a hundred times and he kicked out. He didn't have to use a fucking, um, you know, sledgehammer, mm -hmm. which I liked. It was a one and done sister Abigail. That's it. I think it was the mandible claw actually that put Bryan down, but either way, it was a decisive victory for Wyatt as it should have been. The crowd was into it. Uh, good stuff. Not exactly on the level of their Royal rumble 2014 match, um, but still quite good. And Brian, once again, giving Bray Wyatt one of his best matches on recent memory. I read somewhere that Bray, you know, could be in line to be the champion walking into WrestleMania. Uh, I would want that to happen. I don't think he should lose it at the Rumble or fucking Fastlane or whatever else, uh, TLC or whatever. Um, if you were fantasy booking and knowing he's on SmackDown and knowing who else is on SmackDown, if, the, if Bray walks into WrestleMania still universal champion... Who's a guy or two that you feel like? All right, that's the guy that 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 breaks in the wrestle at WrestleMania. It, 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 would it be someone who wins the Rumble or someone who doesn't win the Rumble? Who do you think they they put Bray up against at WrestleMania? It's hard to fantasy book when you know the outcome is going to be Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns. Yeah. I think we can all <laughs> say with 100% assurance again that it will be Wyatt versus Reigns at WrestleMania. Wow, imagine that. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly. Like, oh, what a shocker. But, yeah. like, we've seen it before. I mean, we saw the Daniel Bryan Wyatt feud before, too. But, like, it makes sense. From a storyline standpoint, to their credit, it's not completely random. Like, even the Brock and Roman shit a couple years ago, when we knew literally a year out they were doing that at WrestleMania 34, it made sense because they had history from WrestleMania 31 when their match ended without a finish, or Rollins won, rather. Um, you know, this also makes sense. Roman Reigns vacated the Universal Championship, that very title. And, you know, we all thought it would be Roman and Brock again, but that Brock went back to Raw, so now it's you know, riot. It's now it's now it's going to be Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns. But um, Roman Reigns vacated that very championship over a year ago, never to get another opportunity at it again. He didn't come back and go for the title at WrestleMania. Didn't come back and go for it at SummerSlam. He has not gone for that championship since he lost it back in October of 2018. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I would be shocked if they ran that match anytime between now and then. I guess they could do it for the Rumble, but I don't see Roman losing. When I see Roman going for the championship, I see him getting that belt back. Mm. And honestly, when you look up and down that SmackDown roster, I don't see a single person that could conceivably conceivably beat the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Um, Daniel Bryan would have been a nice choice given their history and had they dragged out the yes thing for a couple more months and whatever. 
I think that would have worked, especially if you had him win the Rumble, just because remember that whole thing from four or five years ago when people really wanted him to win the Rumble and he didn't and people freaked the fuck out. That would have been a cool story to tell. Daniel Bryan winning the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And then, um, you know, facing Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, the same guy he faced the, the night of the Rumble when he was people wanted him to win in 2014. So um, anyway, I thought that would have been a cool story. I doubt that's going to happen now after he lost clean at Survivor Series. Um, aside from Roman, though, I'm, again, I'm thinking of the roster in my head, like Kofi Kingston isn't coming back for another championship match, so I don't see that happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who else do they even have on SmackDown? I don't even know. I mean, um, uh, well, they get, they get <laughs> yeah, right, like Corbin. Like I honestly, the Miz, no, like um. I love Corbin. A lot of a lot of people don't like him, but I think that's that's him doing his job. No, no, yeah, I, I like Corbin. I think he does a great job in the role that he has. They're not giving him much to work with in terms of the promo material. The mm. the big dog shit was atrocious. But I think him as himself is a very good heel. But obviously, he's not going to take the championship from Wyatt. It's going to be Roman. Um, it, when they go in that direction, it's not even a matter of, oh, I'd rather see this person because it, it it's not even worth it. So we know it's going to be Roman. I will eat my hat if it's anyone but Roman Reigns. But that being said, um, that's a match that you don't have to build up via Roman Reigns winning the Rumble. He can win the Elimination Chamber match or something else. There's no reason to have Roman win the Rumble again. Any good goodwill they have built up with Roman in 2019 with him being out of the main event scene being out of the championship picture would be ruined if he won the rumble again five years removed from when he won it the first time and it's been all downhill from since uh, popularity wise in terms of how people view him so hopefully he doesn't win the rumble I would rather see honestly whoever faces Brock at Wrestlemania win the rumble whether that be Kevin Owens or I mean, whoever on there. I mean, that's another issue. Who do you have beat Brock for the universe for the WWE Championship on Raw? Kevin Owens, maybe. Um, well, that well that would mean that for the second straight year that somebody from Raw is going to win the Rumble because if, if you're saying not Roman, nobody from SmackDown will win that Rumble. I think the way you the way you're saying it and the way you're laying it out, if it is Bray and Roman at WrestleMania, that means somebody from Raw has to win the Rumble again because Seth won it last year. He, yeah. got, he got Brock. Um, and again, I know where we're going ahead, but again, from the Raw roster, aside from Seth Rollins, who else would would win the Rumble and get Brock? Would it be Kevin Owens, Randy Orton? I don't know. Drew McIntyre. It's, uh, it's kind of a... I know it ain't Rey Mysterio. Even though, even though I, I like the Brock Mysterio match, I think it was good for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, short to the point, entertaining. Um, you know, the sun got involved and chairs and this, and for a quick second, you know, the fans thought that Brock was going to lose with the, you know, with the sun helping out. But I thought that was a pretty good match. But um, again, I think it, I don't think I don't think it'll be Seth at, at, at Mania against Brock again. I will be shocked if they did that for the third time. Um, because no, I, yeah, they're not doing I, that shit. No, I mean, no. Rollins is probably going heel anyway, so I'd yeah. be shocked. Um, but then again, I mean, like if it it, it, it could be Bray and um, <laughs> it could be Bray and Shorty G. Jesus, <laughs> you don't want. I mean, that? I like Mustafa Ali, I like Chad Gable, but yeah. they're not threats uh, to Bray Wyatt. You know, so no, so. so no, so no Bray Shorty G at WrestleMania, right? No, I don't think okay, so. Right. And yeah, like Just you said, sure. I mean, someone from someone from Raw winning the Rumble, I, it's mm. not that big of a deal to me. Just because you got to think too, since they brought back the brand split, people from SmackDown won it for the first two years. I mean, Orton was on SmackDown when he won it in 2017, and then Nakamura won it when he was on SmackDown the following uh. year. 
So it would be fine if someone from Raw won it. I mean, I'd rather have it be someone from Raw than Roman Reigns again. Um, aside about- from Owens... You know, they would really, they would really have to build up Alistair Black if that was going to mix. And the guy's been, you know, shitting on the toilet, asking people to knock on his door, and he's whatever. That would really have to, you know, be made sense between now and then. Um, okay, now what about what about AJ? If they turned him babyface, but I think he's really good as a heel right now. So, um, I mean, they've done the match before, and AJ lost. Um, so right. there is a story there. So, I mean, I would like to see that, but I don't think they will. Um, I, I mean, I think AJ getting the Mania main event would be cool. I don't want to see him. He's not going to leave like Punk did, but I think he deserves a WrestleMania main event. Yeah, he defended the WWE Championship against Nakamura a few years ago. Okay, yeah. but I mean like yeah. a real main event, like the last match on the card. And only a handful of people can say they've done that in the last couple of years that weren't legends, you know. Rollins did it. Um no, not this year, but I mean, the women did it, obviously. But I'm talking in terms of, you know, Roman did it a few times, Rollins, and then that's it. No one else in the current roster aside from Ronda, Charlotte, and Becky. Uh, Goldberg was in the main event. Mm. Not Goldberg, I'm sorry. Brock, Taker, Triple H, um, uh, Daniel Bryan did. But it, again, that that's really about it. Randy Orton has done it a few times. So, uh, I'm yeah, thinking, I, so I'm, I'm not thinking, sure. I'm thinking uh, at this point in time in November, it could be Kevin Owens. I think it, it, Kevin Owens, AJ from Raw, from Raw, AJ, yeah, AJ, Kevin Owens, uh, Drew McIntyre could be in that mix, but I don't see it. Um, if it is, if somebody from Raw is going to win the Rumble, I think those would be the top three. Um, SmackDown, I don't think they're going to win it because I think if they go Roman, and, I mean Roman could win the Rumble. That that is an option. Roman could win the fucking rumble. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's, At this point, he might be honestly the most popular pick because everyone else you just mentioned, it would make sense, but not as much sense as Roman. Yeah. Um, but either way, I think I think the next two months should be interesting to see what direction they go. Uh, Team SmackDown did did win at Survivor Series the five 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 on five on five match. Uh, Roman was sole survivor. Gave it you know the the, the rub to Keith Lee at the end. Uh, I mentioned Brock defeating Rey Mysterio. Quick uh, to the point. Nice, fun match. Uh, entertaining. I thought I, I thought that was pretty cool. And the main event, Shayna Baszler defeated uh, Becky Lynch and Bailey. Um, uh, to me, man, I thought if they had this match as the main event, I think everybody on planet Earth thought that Ronda Rousey was going to do something in this match, a comeback, just be somewhat involved. That did not happen. And we got a regular finish. Baszler made Bailey tap out. And I thought it was a very underwhelming, anticlimactic <laughs> main event to Survivor Series. Should that have been the main event? Um, that's neither here or there. If it was, you got to have Rousey involved somehow, some way. That did not happen. But again, it gives NXT the fourth win of the night. Further, uh, you know, highlighting Shayna Baszler as NXT champion. Would you quickly? Would you make of the match? Should it have been the main event? And were you disappointed that Ronda Rousey was nowhere to be found? If it was going to be as underwhelming as it was, then yeah, that should not have main evented. Um, I mean, I didn't think it would main event anyway. I think we said we didn't have a show last week, but I figured it would be Rey Mysterio and Brock. Um, and they, I mean, I guess maybe not because it would have been the five minute match they did. Um, but I thought that was way better than what we ended up getting with Baszler, Becky, and Bailey. So 
I mean, I would have done that either that or honestly, if they really either do that because the brand supremacy stuff doesn't even matter at that point. NXT would have already won. Right. And then we get the universal championship match. Bray and Brian would have been fine because that match I thought was also very good. It might have been, you know, I don't know if the crowd would have been as hot for it, you know, by hour four or five in the night. So maybe not. What I would have done was put the women's elimination match on last because you still give the women the main events a lot and NXT still wins. And you still have the same scenario where it's all three NXT, SmackDown 2, Raw 1. Mm. Will they win this next match? And then Rhea Ripley wins in the Survivor Series main event. Baszler picked up a big win too, obviously. Um, But I think people kind of overlooked that it's not really the focus because the match sucked it wasn't that good it really it wasn't a bad match it was just very disappointing considering the build and the the high hopes that people had for it and the fact that nothing happened afterward um ronda coming back would have made too much sense when you know whether given her connection to becky and baszler and do it i mean that's not really their choice i mean if ronda still wants to sit out i mean that's not like oh we're ready to bring her back like i don't think ronda's coming back anytime soon i really don't Mm. um um, it just, I mean, then don't put yourself in a situation where people are expecting Ronda. Like that's in the company. Then don't put yourself in a situation where people think she's going to come out after the match because you're putting this on last when it has no business being in the main event. So um, I would have done the women's elimination match last or the men's elimination match. Mm-hmm. The only issue with that match going on last is that you would have had SmackDown one. They would have won and then it wouldn't have mattered because nxt would have already had four victories so yeah. i guess it wouldn't have really mattered in that case but again like i said i would have done the women's elimination match last because it was such a good match anyway so overall you thought survivor series was a pretty solid show right i enjoyed the show honestly i'm not gonna lie to you i think and this might be a testament as to how underwhelming the other events have been <laughs> this was one of the better pay-per-views of the year much better than crown jewel super showdown hell in the cell all sucked yeah um you know clash of champions was pretty good SummerSlam was good we had some pretty good solid shows over the summer stomping grounds for as dumb of a name as that was it was a pretty good show um but i don't know i i, I enjoyed the show not just because nxt won but the the wrestling was good nothing that really pissed me off aside from walter getting bumped from the men's elimination match in five minutes that made no sense but other than that and the main event being underwhelming it was a pretty good show overall um and yeah i liked it again i don't know if it would be the best pay-per-view of the year probably not but um yeah i mean we'd have to talk about that next month when we close out 2019 and we slam shut the year but i thought this was one of the better pay-per-views they put out in a while you know to be funny you know uh we keep seeing that Hulk Hogan wants one more match with the company. You never know. Hulk Hogan could win the Rumble and he'll get Brock. <laughs> hey, dude, why not? Brock and, you know, trying to avenge the loss he suffered in the hands of Brock Lesnar on that episode of SmackDown in 2002. It would make perfect sense. That's right. Hogan has not forgotten what happened 17 years ago. <laughs> exactly. And then he avenges the loss and he becomes the new WWE champion. Why not? Hashtag book it. Um... Then he loses it in, in, in Saudi Arabia the following month. That's right. That's right. Uh, or, or he might vacate it and be like, hey, brother, I never lost. So Yeah, exactly, because the guy never wants to lose anyway, so why not? I like the the plan to turn Seth Rollins heel. I think he's way better off as a heel than a, a good guy. He's been a good guy for too long now. I think if you go back to WrestleMania 33, um, so that that puts him at two two and a half years or you know two years of him being a good guy i think it was too long got stale i think they they kind of recognize that so i like the the slow burn i don't think he's fully healed now he's kind of being in, in like an arrogant asshole now but it's cool i like that and i love how he called everybody out on raw like charlotte losing randy orton was the weak link 
uh, AOP, you, you're doing your promos and you ain't doing shit. But <laughs> I found it funny, like, hey, you know, if Becky lost too, are you going to call her out too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They should have. I mean, I was surprised Could they didn't. Imagine? I mean, maybe not on night one. Becky wasn't even on the show, but. Wow. Um, and they kind of teased that she would address the loss at Survivor Series, but she was nowhere to be seen. I'm looking forward to seeing how Becky responds to the heel turn. I know they haven't mentioned it recently, mm-hmm. but they shoved that shit down her throat months ago. So, I mean, you can't just have Rollins go heel, you know, slowly but surely and not have Becky address it in some form or fashion. Yeah, uh, I like it. I think uh, it, we, you know, we go back to when people who were just in this funk, like Dean Ambrose and Sasha Banks and other people, like you know what they got, they, they need a heel turn. Finn Balor, it's just that time to flip the switch and turn turn this guy because they've been that, you know, and it, even when Seth talking, um, you know, wanting a match with CM Punk and he's like doing the crowd, like yeah, I try to get, I, you know, you you got the chanting his name. I try to get him out here, but he ain't trying to. He ain't trying to fight me, so you throw the little jabs here and there, and of course, they're in Chicago. They're going to turn on Seth, which is cool. So I think maybe down the road, I think we spoke about it last time, you are going to see Seth and CM Punk at some point. Uh, How early? We don't know. It could be WrestleMania. I don't think if they happen to do it, it it should not be prior to WrestleMania. If it ain't at Mania, it could be SummerSlam, but I think at some point you are going to get Seth and 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 Punk in in 2020. But I like the, the 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 direction of the heel turn. It was needed. Him calling out the roster and then walking away from him. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And I guess he'll go into a program with with Kevin Owens. We'll see how that goes. Nothing else from Raw that I remember. Um, what else happened on Raw that's worth talking about? If not, then I'll move on. <laughs> No, yeah, just the Rollins heel stuff I thought was good. Um, you mentioned how long he's been a face. He's been a face now for over three years. Wow. Remember when Owens won the Universal Championship? That was when they started to turn him face. That's right, uh, yeah. That was in the summer of 2016. So wow. the funny thing, I know I mentioned this here on the show before, but he's actually been a face longer than he was ever a heel. He was only a heel for about two years there when he first went out on his own in 2014 after the Shield split up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he came back from the injury and he got the big pop and they didn't turn him face immediately. They took their time with it, uh, which they shouldn't have. They done it. They should have done it night one, but that's neither here nor there three years later. Um, but yeah, he was only a heel for two years. He's been a face for over three years now. And I think they should have turned him months ago and the whole comments about Moxley came up in interviews and Will Ospreay and AEW. Yeah. And I mean, the guy, their booking of him has hasn't been great but it's also partially on him for making the dumb comments that he has in interviews and in the media over the course of the year so i mean they should have capitalized this on a while ago coming off the bray wyatt match which was also another feather in the cap as to why you know another reason as to why people hate seth rollins right now the whole fact that not not that he won but the match sucked and whatever um so yeah so i'm I'm glad they're starting to finally take the appropriate steps towards turning him heel the aop pairing i like a lot kind of like shield 2.0 give him two heel heavies again it's not cemented in stone just yet but it's it's getting there and then the only thing that happened the only other thing that happened on raw this week was uh ray mysterio winning the united states championship in a really good match with aj styles Hmm. um i thought that was cool kind of give him his moment that he didn't get at survivor series with his son and the aj match was good it doesn't look like they're continuing that oddly enough it looks like they might be going in the direction of aj and orton which isn't bad because their last match at wrestlemania was pretty good too um but still, yeah, it looks like we're going in that direction. And uh, Rey Mysterio, your new United States champion. So, uh, yeah, I thought Raw, honestly, this week was a better show than usual for a, for a post-pay-per-view edition. Yeah. Um, 
trying to see what the sidebars I have. All right, real quick, we have. I'm I'm gonna get to the new Intercontinental Championship belt in a second. Um, it seems like Cody Rhodes has been trademarking a couple pay-per-view names. I know they had the Badge at the Beach as a Dynamite show in July uh, in January. So yeah, if you want to go to the beach in Miami in January, go right ahead because Badge at the Beach would be on a Dynamite show, not a pay-per-view. It'll be a regular Wednesday show, which is a different story for a different day. Um, he, he trademarked Bash, Super Brawl, and Slamboree. And then like a couple of days later, the WWE trademarked Barely Legal and Cyber Slam. Okay, so that means at some point they are going to use Super Brawl and Slamboree, whether on as a dynamite show, as a pay review, we, we don't know. But they already got Bash at the Beach rolling for for January. I thought it was a little interesting that uh, uh WWE trademark Billy Legal and Cyber Slam, which are two old ECW shows. Uh, uh, what did you make of this whole trademarking scenario? Do you think they that Cody would do it because? These are these are names that people who don't watch wrestling anymore or not as much can hear. Oh shit, Super Brawl! What's that about? I I I know that name from back in the day. I'm gonna watch it. Or do you think that he just did it because his father had some part to play in that? Yeah, the fact that his dad came up with the name probably was a factor. I mean, a big factor, of course. Uh, I'm not a big fan of them using old pay-per-view names. Uh, I would just say leave it in the past. Their new names aren't that much better. I mean, we've been over this before, but yeah. Double or Nothing is good. All Out is good. Full Gear is a terrible name. Terrible. Just stupid. Um, so, I mean, Bash of the Beach, yeah, fine. You know, as a January pay-per-view or not even a pay-per-view, an episode of Dynamite, like you said, in Miami. I get it. They're setting sail on the Jericho Cruise with that show. So again, I get it. It's in Miami. Um, them bringing back—I mean, I don't think they would bring them back as pay-per-views. They're only going to have four pay-per-views a year anyway, um, and three of them are probably going to be full gear, um, double or nothing, and all out. So they would only need one more for February. I don't like them reusing names. We've been over this before, but I think you should just create your own names. And WWE, no exception to this either, because they're trademarking old ECW pay-per-view names. Unless there's, you know, trademarking them for the network or merchandise or something, mm -hmm. there's no reason to waste money on trademarks on shit like that if you're not going to use it. Just to keep it from other people who shouldn't be using it either is just dumb for me. It just, it's just dumb in my opinion. Mm. But, um... Yeah, I, I guess he's trademarking all this stuff just because he wants it when, you know, when so WWE doesn't. It might be a case of that. But either right. way, it's, you know, I really have no opinion on it one way or the other, to be honest with you. Are you ready for Bash at the Beach in January? I am. The episode of Dynamite, not even a pay-per-view. <laughs> I know, man. I, I, I don't know how. It, it's like. It's like how I feel about King of the Ring. Like, how you doing King of the Ring on, on Raw and SmackDown? Like, I don't, that, that doesn't make any sense. But that's neither here or there. But glad to see the name is still is, is back in some capacity. We'll see how they, uh, you know, play it out and so on and so forth. But um, right now, currently on Twitter, Graham um, Bleacher Report is doing this um, Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. And, of course, you are going to get a whole shitload of responses which is normal everybody's gonna have their own opinion they're gonna have their mount rushmore they're gonna have 
the general consensus Mount Rushmore. The Rock even chimed in. I think he got uh, he got Stone Cold, Hogan, Flair, and either Gorgeous George and Bruno as his Mount Rushmore. Which again, you can't really argue with the Rock. I'm, I'm I ain't doing that. But <laughs> it seems to be a very hot topic, hot debate the last uh, the last day or so. Um, I don't know who who also big time responded. Uh, CM Punk did actually. Oh, yeah, CM Punk. He had Stone Cold. I don't have it in front of me. He had. He said Stone Cold, Misawa, the uh, Harley Race, and then someone else. Was it Flair? Might have been. Oh. Not. Sure. I don't think it was Flair. Or Hogan or Savage. One of those two. Mm, he said Savage. I think he said Savage. Yeah. Um. Again, you can't disagree with 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 a guy like Punk. So, so Graham put you on a spot, first of many today. Um, I know, we, I know, we probably talked about this before, but we, yeah, we definitely have. But we, my answer has always changed. We're gonna do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, your your personal Mount Rushmore. Then you tell me if you did a general survey, what what the masses might say about the the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. I mean, it's so subjective because they're like, we going off of like, I mean, obviously I guess we're wrestling because I think that the, the WWE or the uh, bleach report accounts are wrestling, Yeah, but like WWE pro, like of WWE, I would say, I don't even know. I mean, I think my answer has always been stone cold, uh, Hulk Hogan, Bruno San Martino and John Cena. I didn't see a lot of people say Cena and I get it. I mean, I understand why. It, we're talking wrestling here. Wrestling, John Cena would not be on there, obviously. But if we're talking WWE, I'm going off the biggest four faces in the history of the company for their respective eras. Sam Martino, when they first started out, he was the face of their company for like 20 years there for a long time. Champion forever. Then Hogan took over. And then you have Austin as kind of like the 90s. And then John Cena for the last two decades. And obviously honorable mentions being Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Bob Backlund, um, Triple H, Taker. Um, it, it's so hard, dude. Because again, if you're going off of wrestling, <clears throat> like not even just WWE, but the entire wrestling world, you would probably have to include someone like a Masawa, like Punk said, or an Antonio Inoki, who helped get wrestling in other countries and stuff like that um, outside of North America. So it's so fucking tough. It's so tough. Um, I think Flair would have to be on there. If it's all of wrestling, it would have to be Flair. Would Stone Cold even be on there? Like, I don't even know. Like, that's what I'm saying. I can't really say for all of wrestling, I'm knowledgeable, but not that knowledgeable to say like, oh, this was the biggest name in the uh, in, in the history of pro wrestling, you know, to, to, to constitute as, uh, as one of the faces of Mount Rushmore for wrestling. I can't say. Um, for WWE, anyway, my answer, I think, has always been Cena, Sam Martino, Stone Cold, and Hogan. Just, I mean, I, I think you would have to put Hogan on there, too. People have their own personal feelings towards Hogan. But the guy, without him, there would be no professional wrestling in North America in the 80s and beyond. I mean, Hulkamania was one of the biggest boom periods in the business. How do you not include Hulk Hogan? So then Hogan has to be on there. Flair has to be on there. And the other two are debatable. Um, I think, I think there is no wrong answer. I think mean, that that saves everybody. Um, everybody's going to be subjective. Some are going to say, I'm a fan of this guy. I'm not a fan of that guy. Whether it's wrestling related or not, or outside the ring or not. Um, it's like, 
again, how can anyone leave The Rock off? How can anybody leave Taker off? He's been in this company for 30 years. Um, and his, 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 you know, his character might be the greatest character of, of, of all time. So I get, I get, I think who, who has a solid carving is Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and I'm counting all of wrestling. But to play your game, if who is the WWE Mount Rushmore, I, I would say Hogan. Mm-hmm. I would say Stone Cold. I would think The Undertaker. Okay. Oh, WWE. Look at that. I'm stuck because I want to include Brett, but I don't think he's the company's Mount Rushmore. I, I love Shawn Michaels. He's probably my favorite, but is he the company's Mount Rushmore? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, again, would I put Bruno personally? I'll say no. Like I, For me, I, I could put Macho Man in there. I could put Hogan, Macho, Stone Cold, and Taker. Or I could, put, I could say Hogan, Taker, Stone Cold, and The Rock. And nobody came really argue with that because the, the rock has been uh retired or whatever away from the ring for for quite a while and his name is still around in in, in talks in the business making money he's in fucking hollywood now stone cold is doing this doing that movies tv shows he, he, his name still is synonymous uh even outside the ring so like someone like mm-hmm. like, like brett i love brett but He's he's chilling right now. <laughs> Shawn Michaels is NXT Triple H. You know, you know what? I'm gonna rewind because you mentioned John Cena, and I think John Cena gets a little under the radar because either a people just just don't like him. Uh, they don't like him being a 15-time world champion, close to breaking Ric Flair's record. Um, the gimmick he had coming into the company. So if I had to rewind. I think it's Hogan, Stone Cold, as far as longevity, Hogan, Stone Cold, Taker, and John Cena. Because the okay, Rock, that's the solid Rock, four. The Rock I want to put there, but if you're going by longevity and that, that really changed the business that when they were in it in, that, in, that, in their prime in that era, you can't really go wrong with those four. So Taker, Hogan, Stone Cold, and John Cena, as far as WWE, Matt Rushmore overall, Hogan, Flair, Stone Cold, and some might put Andre there and San Martino. So I, I don't it's know. tough. That fourth one, I don't really, I, I don't. You can, you can put whoever, but you got to have Stone Cold, Hogan, and Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the amount. I, I got seventy five percent of the amount Rushmore of the general consensus, but. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I, again, it's it, it goes back and forth, but I yeah. think it's as long as you're not saying like fucking Seth Rollins or some <laughs> dumb shit. You know what I mean? Oh, he, yo, listen, I seen people say, "Yo, AJ Styles." I'm like, oh, okay, we, we, we're doing a little. Did bit someone actually now. say that? Look, bro, look, look, look at the comments. Jesus AJ Christ, Styles. I'm I'm honestly afraid to look at the comments. <laughs> Go because you're getting a younger generation of. Okay, if AJ is your favorite guy now, I, I can't I can't get mad at you. But you, we talking about Mount Rushmore. Like been here a- for a cup of coffee. Like AJ hasn't even made an event to WrestleMania. Like how, how how am I doing that? He's he's 
He, he, I mean, come on now. He, he, I mean, neither, neither did Ric Flair, but I know what you're saying, yeah, though. Yeah, I mean, if you put Sting in there, I might respect it more than AJ Styles or, you know, some shit like that. But I think it's it's very uh, subjective. A lot of a lot of people you could put up there. Uh, even even Macho Man. Uh, Macho Man is, is going to be on somebody's Mount Rushmore. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. If you're actually my personal favorite, it's a different story. But you're doing... As, there's only so much room for four four people. I can't fit an entire roster up there, so it's always tough. But um, I do want to end off with this because I mentioned the, the the new Intercontinental Championship belt. I saw that, um, and I thought that a lot of people tend to like it. You know, some of the old school guys are like, oh, I should have kept the kept the the belt they had. Something. Oh, they changed it because Cody Rose, you know, brought the belt back, and it just and Cody said no. That's that's, that's not the case. Um, what, what did you make of the new Intercontinental Championship belt? I like it. I think it's a nice design. I was a little heartbroken. I'm not going to lie, just because I do, you know, like the, the the classic version, the one that we've had back now for about eight years. Um, I like the vintage look. Um, I have a replica of that championship. So, again, I'm a little heartbroken that it's no longer in use on the show. Mm-hmm. But I can't complain. The new design is beautiful. It is a really nice design. And, um, again, I, I think it's it's a nice touch. And the championship still means nothing. Nakamura has done nothing with it. But, um, as you know, aesthetically, I think it looks beautiful. So, um, like you said, anyone claiming that they got rid of the old one because Cody Rhodes brought it back, take your fucking tinfoil hat off for two seconds it has nothing to do with aew or cody Rhodes. not everything wwe does has to do with the other one you know what i'm saying so anyway um they just did it because it needed a change and i get it it was time for a change but at the same time i really like that old design that being said the new design is really nice as well well graham right now you have a current throwback belt now you know that's worth more more, more money now it's a good point. It's a good point. Exactly. Yeah, so I can look at it that way. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I, I just really like the white strap. I think this one would be better with a white strap. But I know the women's championships have white straps. Yeah. But you know, it's whatever. So if I put you on a spot because this is not planned, um, and I like doing things unplanned, um, I think you get a better reaction. So with the new design of the belt, it got me thinking. You know what? I don't think we ever spoke about this. I could be wrong, but if like. If I had to put you on a spot, and me too, I'll do it too. If I said, who are your top 10 intercontinental champions of all time and put you the task of putting those 10 in order, are you able to do that? I can do that. I can do that. All right. So if if we go from 10 to 1... In order, you said? In order. So, if they are number 10, number 9, number 8, all the way to number 1. All right. Okay. I mean, these are going to be interchangeable. I mean, this is right off the top of my head. But I I, oh, yeah, I can make a pretty solid top 10, I think. All right. So. Because I've thought about this before. Okay. Hey, you never know. This might be uh, Gramps' new article on Bleacher Report, a fan side of DDT. So, go ahead. Check that out. I know, I know he'll do it sometime <laughs> soon. Um, so, again, it, it, this is your uh, top 10. I'm not, I'm not saying criteria is this and that. It's who you feel are your personal favorite intercontinental champions. I know you're not going to have most of the older school guys. I kind of get that. But again, it is your list. So you go ahead. Number 10, who do you got? Because as you're well, talking, I'm going to be writing my, my stuff down too. 
Okay, so before I go further with my top 10, I do want to throw in these honorable mentions okay. real quick. Go ahead. So I think you got to include people are going to be, I mean, and then most people probably won't care, but I, I wouldn't put him in the top 10 because we don't know enough about him as Intercontinental Champion to really rank him. But he does, I think, have either the most amount of days as champion or is near the top, Pedro Morales. Now, I don't see that championship. I don't see that title and think of Pedro. I don't think many people do. Mm-hmm. But he was either not the first champion. That was Pat Patterson, who also would not be my top 10. The guy won it from a fucking fake tournament. And he <laughs> held it for a while. But again, that was 80-81. I mean, Sam Martino held the championship back then. But at least the guy had more notable matches and you know had a bigger run on top. The IC title wasn't really doing much back then. It it really didn't start to become the championship that we knew and loved for so many years until like the mid eighties at the earliest. So I wouldn't put Pedro in my top 10, but he would be an honorable mention. Um, triple H held the thing like fucking five times. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he'd be up on that list. Um, not, not top 10, but he would be an honorable, honorable mention. Okay. Um, edge held it a bunch of times. Rob Van Dam dominated the IC title scene from like mm-hmm. Oh two through Oh six. Um, not good enough to be in my top 10, but he'd be on there. Jeff Hardy had a couple reigns in the late 2000s. He was a pretty decent IC champion from what I remember. Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. got to give him a shout out. He brought back that belt in 2011, held a championship for upwards of like 250 days. And he was the first person in a long time to make that championship mean something, I would say. Um, you know, he brought back that old design. He had great matches with John Morrison, Christian eventually lost at the big show, Mm -hmm. but he had good matches with Teddy Biasi, Ezekiel Jackson, Booker T. He had a feud with, and again, he really made it feel important for the first time in forever. Um, And then also uh, Randy Orton, Randy Orton might've been the last person to win it. That really elevated the championship in 2004, aside from Cody Rhodes, Mm -hmm. Um, like to go on to main event, superstardom. Like he held it for about eight months. He beat Rob Van Dam for it. Uh, you know, faced Nick Foley for the championship at Backlash. Had that amazing match. Yeah. Lost it to Edge later on. Mm-hmm. He went on to become a main event player out of that. So I would include him in the honorable mentions as well. Um, probably um, Kofi Kingston had a couple decent reigns. Nothing amazing, but you know he had a couple reigns. So anyway, my top ten would include the following. And I apologize, Randy, if people are going to start clicking out because of my tenth spot here. Okay. So if you're going to, uh, you know. Turn off the call on me. Feel free. But yeah. number 10, got to put on here Seth Rollins. Okay? Oh, because, my God. Oh, God, already. Because, Randy, already. I, this is not going to set the stage, set the tone for the rest of this list. But aside from Cody, he did more for that championship last year than anyone else has in 15 years. He made the championship feel important. He didn't go on a superstardom map. I mean, he did. He went on to win the Universal Championship this year and win the Royal Rumble right after he lost the Intercontinental Championship. But he was already a WWE champion, so he brought credibility to that title. When Rollins was IC champion last year. He was hotter than he's ever been before. Easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. Like, he was so popular. We all hate him now. Uh, at least most of us do. But okay. um, he had a great run as IC champion. He was probably one of the highlights of the year. He might have been the superstar of the year last year for that reign alone. Won at WrestleMania and that great three-way with Finn Balor and The Miz. Mm-hmm. Had a great match with The Miz at Backlash. One of my favorite matches of 2018. Had some really good... Had the, brought back the IC title open challenge like John Cena used to do with the US title. Um, he had that going for him a while. For 
for him for you know had that going for him for a while had some decent matches with Jinder and Mojo Raleigh brought them to good matches had some great matches with Kevin Owens Dolph Ziggler their series of matches last year was really good mm-hmm. uh, Dean Ambrose later on in the year and a few others um, but again he really made that thing feel important at a time where the Raw champion I think Brock Lesnar as the Universal Champion wasn't around Rollins was the fucking man on Raw with that championship so again I, I think it felt more important last year than it ever has before in the last 15 years so you gotta put rollins on there i think if not near the top of the honorable mentions list but rollins number 10 okay uh nine go ahead you want to go ahead are we going back and forth you want me to just do the whole 10 uh yeah do your 10 do your 10 okay so nine i got the rock I think The Rock had a very good reign as champion back in 97, 98. Really, again, another example of a guy who took that championship and it brought him to the next level of superstardom. Uh, as Rocky Maivia later, The Rock is part of the Nation of Domination. Great ladder match with Triple H at SummerSlam 98 for that championship. Um, so I would put The Rock on there. Perfect example of a pest heel who you really want to see get beat for that title. Yep. Um, had a, you know, the original feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin started over the Intercontinental Championship when um, when The Rock held it back in late 97. So that would have to be, I think The Rock would be a great pick. Um, didn't hold it many times. I think he's only a two-time IC champion. Yeah, I think but so. he went on to become a main event player out of it. Had some really good matches and memorable feuds. And it really took him to that next level. Eight. Honky Tonk Man. Now, the guy never had any amazing matches, and most of his matches ended in count-out or or disqualification, whatever. But is the longest reign for any single reign as Intercontinental Champion. Definitely one of the most memorable IC champions. I mean, it was the only good thing he did in in his entire career was that reign as IC champion, but he made it work, and people really wanted to see him get beat for that belt. So when he eventually did by the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam, the first ever SummerSlam in 88, Mm -hmm. it was a big fucking deal. Um, so I got to put Honky Talk Man on there. Speaking of the Warrior, I would put him on there too at number seven. Um, had two really good reigns as IC champion. His WWE title reign wasn't exactly what it could have been, but the IC title reign, the first one and the second one, because I think he won the second a second time after he held the WWE title, had some, you know, obviously beat Honky Talk Man for it in a great moment at SummerSlam, the first ever SummerSlam. Uh, beat. Hulk Hogan as IC champion in the main event of WrestleMania six. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a great match. One of easily the best match of his entire career had some really good matches with Rick rude at WrestleMania at SummerSlam over that championship. So I think warriors got to be on there. When I look at that classic IC title design, I think of the warrior and when he made it, uh, when he made it yellow back in 88 or 89, whenever it was. So I would put warrior on there. Number six, Chris Jericho. Um, never had one like single great reign, but held it nine times. And he dominated that Intercontinental Championship scene. I mean, when he, he was world champion a few times, but he won it for the first time in like early 2000. That whole China thing made history with China becoming the first co-champions to win that championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, held it a bunch more in 01 and 02, 03, 04, up until he left in 05. Came back and won it a few more times, including in 2008, beating Jeff Hardy for it. Won it for the ninth time in 2009. Had a great feud with Rey Mysterio over that championship that year. Had a great fucking feud. Uh, again, no one really standout reign, but he had a lot of really good matches as champion and really helped put that belt on the map. So nine-time IC champion Chris Jericho at six. Number five, Bret Hart. Um, you talk about great matches as IC champion champion bret hart has got to be on there with Shawn michaels british bulldog roddy piper even the mountie um the guy again really maybe not just elevated the championship 
but made it the workhorse title back in the early 90s, mid-90s. Uh, great reign as champion, did Bret Hart. I think he held it maybe two or three times, but Bret Hart has got to be on that list. Really took him to the next level as well. Mm-hmm. People are going to hate that I'm putting him up this high. Oh, boy. I got a feeling. Oh, my God. And Miz has got to be <laughs> up in the top five. I put him at four because, again, I think I, you know, I, I, I think when I think of the Intercontinental Championship modern era, I think of the Miz. The guy has held it eight times. He was the Intercontinental Champion when he cut that pipe bomb-esque promo in late 2016, held the championship for the better part of that year, had great matches with Dolph Ziggler, um, won it for the first time in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, really good matches in every reign that he's had the championship for, um, held it for a time, I think in 2018, when he won it from Roman Reigns at Raw 25, had some great matches with Seth Rollins for it, Finn Balor, and a few others, Reigns, like I said. Um, again, he's held it more than anyone else aside from Jericho in modern memory and he wasn't really elevated by it because again he won all of his intercontinental championships after he was already the WWE champion which is kind of interesting um, but he really made that thing feel important for a while before Rollins did a good job of it as well last year but definitely the Miz Top three are interchangeable, but three, Razor Ramon. Um, he had some great runs. Again, a lot like Hart was kind of like the staple of that Intercontinental Championship scene, that championship title scene in the mid-90s. Obviously, the latter match with Shawn Michaels can't be forgotten, and he had some feuds with Gold Dust and a few other people throughout the years. Um, was never a main event guy. Um, I don't know if he ever won the WCW Championship. I don't think he did, but he was a great upper mid-card guy, someone you can always rely on to have good promos, good matches, and really make that championship feel important. That was Razor. Shawn would be at number two. Again, very interchangeable. They had very similar ranges, champ. Champion. Uh, Michaels held it a bunch. Great matches with Razor. The latter match, unforgettable. Bret Hart and a number of others in the mid uh, 90s before he went on to WWE Championship Superstardom in the late 90s. Right. Uh, so Michaels would be two. And the number one, Randy Savage. Uh, Randy Savage, I think, is the first ever example of someone holding that championship before going on to become one of the biggest names in the history of the business. Held it for over a year. From February, I want to say of ninety of uh, eighty six, and then lost it in March of eighty seven to Ricky Steamboat in one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history, WrestleMania three. Mm-hmm. He may have held it one more time after that, but he was definitely the you know first ever person to hold that championship, make it mean something. And not only that, but if, if it wasn't for that reign, he probably would not have gone on to become WWE champion the way that he did. So I got to put Savage number one. Real quick, two Michaels, three Razor, four Miz, five Bret Hart, six Jericho, seven Ultimate Warrior, eight Honky Tonk Man, nine The Rock, ten Seth Rollins, and I forgot to throw I forgot to throw him in the honorable mentions, but Stone Cold Steve Austin as well. Oh boy, Graham! Oh my God, you have one. Well, to me, you have one glaring omission. I think you're gonna you're gonna realize that when I say so. For the record, this is your personal top ten, right? Correct. Okay, so I'm not saying Graham is not saying these are these are the top ten greatest champions of all time. Some are, some maybe not, but this is his personal list, and I'm gonna give you mine. So well, I think, oh, actually, well, the greatest in my opinion. So these okay. are the greatest. I, I don't want to say favorite because I have. Yeah, I mean, I would probably throw some more on there, but I would I would say these are the greatest, at least in my opinion. Okay. So that's what I am saying. Um, I will start out saying that an honorable mention. See, like, you had the Miz on yours. I don't. Because I, for me, you might know more than me, but 
if the Miz was champion, what, eight, seven, eight times, right? Sure. Yep. Okay. I'm trying to remember that one reign that really stood out. And again, either I just don't know it right now. You might know all, all, offhand. I just can't find a reign or two or three or four that the Miz had. Not saying that when he had it, you know, at certain times he, when he had the belt, he made it more prestigious. I think more recently he made it more prestigious. I do get that. Um, and he, he had, he has had long reigns. I just trying to remember what about those reigns that really stood out. So that's why for me, he's on the outside looking in. He's probably like, 11, 12, and I think the only honorable mention, because I'm not putting Pedro there. I didn't, see him, I, I didn't see him wrestle. I'm not putting uh, Pat Patterson. Never saw him wrestle. Um, I'm not putting Tito Santana there because I just never saw him wrestle uh, as far as him with him with uh, with the belt. Um, so most might have Tito in the 10. I don't. And I think a very underrated uh, um, honorable mention would be Goldust. And I think when people mention the IC title in that mid nineties, people kind of skip over Goldust, and I don't know why. But I think he's had it for maybe three, four times. Had the rivalry with uh, with, with, uh, with Piper, with Razor Ramon, that one match with the Warrior, and I think you know now did he elevate the belt a little bit? I think a little bit, but I think his his reign in the mid nineties tends to go overlooked. So I, I give him the nod for being on the honorable mention. Um, for my top ten, um, I, I, number ten, I had I had um, the Honky Tonk Man. Um, again, he had the one the one long reign, the only reign he had, longest reigning IC champion of all time. Um, lost the belt to Warrior at SummerSlam '88. I like the gimmick. I think, it, you know, that's that saying: does the belt make the make the guy, or does the guy make the belt? I think it was kind of mix of both because. Um, his character in that late 80s was different. It was heelish. Um, he was a fucking good fake Elvis in, in, in the, the 80s. Nobody liked him. So I guess, I, I guess the gimmick kind of fit him um, being being that kind of heel character with the belt and being the longest. It's still crazy. He's the longest reigning IC champ still. And that, that record's been around for uh, 31 years. And we thought years ago that the Miz was on, on track to, to, to do that. And you know, he well, you know what happened. So um <laughs> number nine, I did put Rainy Orton there. Uh I think that was the only rain the only rain he had, but it, it was significant because when you had evolution going on, it was majority it was Hunter, then it was you know, to rank him, it was Hunter, Flair, Batista, then then Randy Orton. And I think that really that really made him stand out. It led to him becoming world champion a year later. The the rivalry you mentioned with Mick Foley and you know Rob Van Dam and um, I think he lost it to Edge in '04. Um, but that really cemented him mm-hmm. being that 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 singles guy, a guy that could really hold the belt and really make it prestigious. And that's the old title design for the for the record. But I think for that point in time, he really held his own. And people people saw Randy Orton as a guy that could be world champion eventually one day. Um, so number eight, I, di- I I put Jericho. I know he has the most reigns. Again, he's he. I gave him the nod more than the Miz because it, it just. I think his reigns meant more than the Miz. Uh, uh, nine-time champion, right? For Jericho, Miz is no eight Jericho. Time. Jericho. Jericho's nine. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I gave it to him. 
because I, I, I seen his reign more. He had the, the little back and forth with China for the IC title belt. I thought that, that, was, that was pretty good back in the day. And Jer- me, I'm just more of, a, more of a fan of Jericho than I am the Miz. So maybe I'm a little biased with that. So I, I got Jericho at number eight. Number seven, I put The Rock. Um, you know, a transition where The Rock was too too good of a good guy. He won the belt from Hunter in 97. And then he had the classic rivalry with Stone Cold and Stone Cold throwing the belt in the river and the, with the beeper thing and the Rock was died, Rocky died and Rocky sucks. And he was transitioning from a good guy to a bad guy and, and that great rivalry with Stone Cold. And I mean, who could forget him and Hunter at SummerSlam 98 in the ladder match? I, thought, I think if you tell me top 10 IC title matches of all time. That's 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 definitely up in there. So I get the Rock at number seven. Plus, I like I'm more of a fan of the Rock than most people, and I think that that belt during his transition from a good guy to a heel really helped out because he was the leader leader of the nation at that time. So he was really trying to stand out on his own and be, and eventually becoming world champion. So he's at seven, number six. I got Razor, um, uh, Razor is one of the guys who should have been world champion but never was uh him the pipers um you know uh, so many dibiase um and every time he held the belt it really meant something and even even at a point where Shawn michaels was was out i think he was he was suspended and then razor really took off when Shawn was out i think it was the battle royal he won it from Rick Martel on Raw, and he just really held his own, uh, showing that he could be a, a, a main event star with or without the IC title. Some great rivalries he had during that time, especially with Shawn Michaels. And a guy like that really, you know, at, at that point when Shawn was out, I don't really know who else could have held the belt and, and really took it to a, to, a, to a different and new level. He had the, the rivalry with Diesel. Here and there, a part part of the click, and Sean when he when he got back in uh, WrestleMania ten with the ladder matches with Sean and SummerSlam ninety five, those are definitely top two as as far as great IC title matches. So Razor goes at number six, number five. Just mentioned him, Shawn Michaels. Uh, he's probably my favorite of all time, along with Stone Cold. But I think with him as see Sean Sean's Sean's different man. Like his character with with Sherry. And with the Playboy act, when he first got out there and being a singles competition guy, um, beating beating the Bulldog um, at the Bulldog beat Brett. Uh, I think it was Saturday Night Event, Shawn Michaels won. And it was just a guy that could really wrestle really well, trying to get away from the Rockers and a tag team with Janetti, trying to be mm-hmm. on his own. I, I, I always love him and Sherry together. I love Sherry just, just for me. And I felt like that character... You know, really made the, the the I think the belt made the character and vice versa, and a guy that really could go in there, have great matches, be entertaining, do good storytelling. Sean was all of the above. Um, again, the rivalry with with, with, with Razor, he came back he, uh, few matches with Jeff Jarrett. Um, in the rivalry with uh, with Marty Jannetty, who he fucking Jannetty beat Shawn Michael. That was crazy. Then, then he won it back. Mm-hmm. But um, I got Shawn at five. And now number four. Where's number four at? Where are you? Brett the Hitman Hart. Of I course. Give, I give the nod to Brett over Shawn because I just recall Brett and Mr. Perfect from from '91. Who you forgot, Mr. Perfect? You forgot. 
<laughs> just letting you know because you got <laughs> Seth Rollins in the midst up in there, but it is your list. You forgot Mr. Fucking Perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, now, Brett, I know that rivalry with, with him, him and Perfect was great. Um, and it, Brett was the right champion at the right time because he was separating from the Hart Foundation, not saying they, they had beef, but it just, you knew Brett, Brett was going to be dope on his own. And that's how you started out back in the day. If you want to be on your own, we're going to put you in the IC title picture and you, and you, and you work your way up. So it, him and perfect just, just work, uh, well together. The, the, the match with, 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 with Bulldog at, at SummerSlam 92, which is off the chart, probably top three all time IC title match. Um, even before that, the match with WrestleMania 8 uh, uh, with Piper was, was dope. And just one, if not the best in-ring technician of all time. And, and again, the IC title with the workhorse belt. If you're not 300 pounds, muscles galore, like Warrior, Hogan, those guys, you weren't going to be world champion at that time. So Brett, seeing what he was able to do with the IC belt, which kind of propelled him to be world champion, it was that new changing of the guard of now... Icy title champions can become world champions. Um, three, I got Mr. Perfect, um, which I'm kind of shocked you forgot. Uh, I, I love Perfect. I love the gimmick. One one of the best heels of all time. Perfect was never a good guy, <laughs> in my opinion, ever with the company. I could be. Well, mm-hmm. later on, he was going, going against Flair, but that was later on. In his prime, always a bad guy. He was always a bad guy with the belt. The stuff with Brett. Tornado, um, the boss man of WrestleMania. At that time, man, if you weren't world, like for me, I felt like I I wanted to be Intercontinental Champion than World Champion. I felt the IC Championship was more prestigious than yeah. the World Title, if that makes sense. So when you have Hogan at top, yeah, but Mister Perfect. If you tell me perfect against Hogan, who's, who would win? I'll take Mr. Perfect all day, every day. So for me, he he really solidified that the, the IC title was more prestigious than, than the world title. Number two, personal favorite, I got the Ultimate Warrior. Um, he's in my top five all time. That is not changing. I, I thought it was going to change for a little bit. I'm like, nah, Warrior got to stay. But probably the most dominant IC champ of all time. Um, mm-hmm. just a gimmick alone everybody was in love with him and just you know when he appeared at SummerSlam 88 against Honky Tonk Man and he's like oh give me an opponent I think I forgot who Honky was supposed to, to face I forgot who it was and then Warrior come out the garden goes crazy he's a new world champion he beats Honky Tonk's record and it's just like me, I'm like, who the fuck is Ultimate Warrior? This guy got face paint and tassels. He's running fast and he got muscles. And I like this guy. And so he, at that point, I became a fan of the Warrior. I love the stuff with him and Rick Rude uh, at WrestleMania Five and SummerSlam '89. And again, he beat Hogan as 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 IC champ, and Warrior never lost the belt. So you know, yeah, he's vacated that. Yeah, he vacated that, which led to Perfect winning the belt. But you know. The most dominant IC champ of all time. He beat Hogan with the belt. He beat great people like, you know, Honky and Rick Rude. Um, great matches at SummerSlam 89, WrestleMania 5. Uh, for me, he's at number two. And I think one is Macho. I think me and you got the, me and you same, got the same number one. Uh, even though Macho may have one reign, it's like... That's one... I think, that's I one, think a lot of people... I would honestly consider that the real star of... 
championship. No, no disrespect to Tito and Pedro, but I would really consider that the beginning of like, holy shit, this championship is the title in the company. You right. know, because in the eighties, you know, again, Macho had one reign, but it's like one tough reign to fucking beat, bro. It's it's like he made the Intercontinental Championship what it was back then, and again. He put Steamboat over. Uh, Macho is way better than Ricky Steamboat. Um, but just in that time, you know, the, the the story was Macho was a free agent to a degree. He beats Tito Santana in the Boston Garden. He's one of the best heels in the company. He's probably number two behind Hogan at the time. Better wrestler than Hulk Hogan at the time and always. And... His heel character with Elizabeth, you look at the interviews with with, with, uh, with with Mean Gene, and just the character, the persona, and Macho held that belt for maybe almost a year. Um, it just one tough reign to beat. Macho is great in the ring, you know, automatically. So that adds to the the legacy uh, of the belt. And I think he he made. He made the belt bigger than what it than what it was, mm-hmm. so everybody who was in that mix wanted to become Intercontinental Champion, the Ricky Steamboat, the Honky Tonk Man, and so so on and so forth. He really made that belt on a different level. That when he's IC champ, and I think Hogan was the world champ. I mean, who would you rather be? I'd rather be I, I, I'd rather be a Macho Man. I'd rather be a Macho Man, uh, Randy Savage. So mm-hmm. I think his one reign is tough to beat. I know people could say like the Shaws and the Bretts and the Razor and Perfect or even Jericho with nine reigns, but Jericho's nine reigns can't compete to Macho's one. And I always thought that Macho could have one more reign, try to get their rematch with Steamboat. I think they, I could be wrong. They they, they probably had a match uh, or never happened. I, I, I totally forgot, but it's just like Macho never had the belt again. He went on to become world champion at WrestleMania four, but that one reign is tough to beat. And plus, you talk about the the greatest intercontinental championship match of all time, WrestleMania three, and, and arguably the greatest WrestleMania of all time. So it's tough to beat when you got Macho at number one. So I got Honky 10, Orton 9, Jericho 8, Rock 7, Razor 6, HBK 5, Brett 4, Perfect 3, Warrior 2, Macho number one. Good list. I completely forgot about Mr. Perfect. Yes, you did. Yes, you. Come on. <laughs> uh, would, you, would you like? Would you like to renege or, or re, reassess? Does perfect? Does perfect have any spot anywhere on the list? For yeah, you? I put perfect on there. I would take Rollins off and put him at maybe ten, not a nine actually. I put, maybe eight actually. I because I have Rock would be a ten. Honky Talk Man at eight then or nine and then probably mr perfect at eight and then warrior jericho are so probably i put i i put perfect on the list um hey listen man I, you know what you know british bulldog too i mean he's an honorable mention just mm-hmm. because he beat bret hart for it in the main event of SummerSlam in 92 mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm looking now too because you got me curious about him and savage when he beat him for the title at wrestlemania um who steamboat yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, uh, Pro Fight DB, Steamboat, and Savage for when they had their championship match of Mania. They had one more match, according to Pro Fight DB, mm-hmm. on May 11th, 1987, so about a month after Mania. 
at a WWF Oakland show. So it must have been a house show. He beat Savage in a steel cage rematch. So I don't know if that was ever taped. It doesn't say it was on Superstars or Wrestling Show. It was a house show. I don't know if it's there, there was any footage of that anywhere, but that's pretty cool. So they did have a rematch. I don't know if it was televised. Um, and then he lost it on my birthday, actually, on June 2nd um, to the Honky Tonk Man, who then held it for the next year and a half. So uh, yeah. that, that's the lineage of that title reign. I think I could be wrong, but I think this was a time where they were kind of turning macho. Uh, Camacho had a little beef with Honky and the Heart Foundation. I think not too long after WrestleMania three. Um, now was Honky champion at the time? Maybe so he 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 might have won it from Steamboat. But after WrestleMania three, that's when it began just a little you know teasing of Macho becoming a good guy. So Macho was pretty much, I think in the summer of eighty seven, Macho was a good guy, and I I, I don't know why they went into that direction I don't know but again by the time 88 comes Macho is full-fledged good guy but after WrestleMania 3 which I thought he was top if I told you Graham top heels of like what year they were a heel Macho May 86 87 is definitely up there it's like that with Brett Canadian I hate US 97 you know yeah. you know the uh, Hollywood Hogan and all that stuff but mm-hmm. um yeah, I think he became a good guy slowly after WrestleMania 3 and just never got that rematch with him and Steam. But I thought they had a match or like I thought it was like WrestleMania 4 like in a, in that tournament. But I, I don't think I know they had one more match. I don't think it's the match you mentioned. I'm going to find it. But they just never had the official rematch anywhere uh, on like on live TV or shit like that. Yeah, which is surprising considering how iconic that match is. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't really know too much about Steamboat, so I'm, I'm kind of doing the research now. So he left the, the company in 90, or, um, I'm sorry, 88, and let's see here. He was gone by March. His last match was the following WrestleMania, WrestleMania 4, got beat by Greg Valentine, and then he left the company till 91. And when he came back, he was like a jobber because he didn't. I mean, he won a lot of matches, I guess, here. I'm looking. I mean, he actually won almost all of his matches, but he just did nothing. He, he faced fucking Paul Roma, Teddy Biot, like a lot of losers. Um, so he didn't really do much when he came back after his WCW run. But yeah, it's kind of weird. Ricky Steamboat having this great WrestleMania match, and they never really capitalized off of that. Not to say he could have been a world champion in WWE the same way he was in WCW. Um, but even after the matches with Ric Flair, like he went over to WCW, had those amazing matches with Flair, which I think were after the, the Savage match. And they never really gave him a main event run, which is weird. But um, yeah, that, that's Ricky Steamboat. I just wanted to bring that up. So real quick before I, I cap it off, um, so I'm reading that the the Bruce Pritchard podcast where he talk about the Randy Savage uh, era during that time. Um, so Savage, again, like I said, became a good guy, and the company deliberately wanted Savage and Steamboat to be kept away. Um, Savage turned a uh, good guy, so the creative minds were keen to keep him away from other good guys, which which is Steamboat. So when the brackets for WrestleMania 4 came out, Vince and Pat Patterson very carefully made sure that Savage would not come face-to-face with with Ricky Steamboat. Uh, because I guess that they were both popular 
at the time, and the fans would never get that big rematch because Steamboat was gone from the company by the time Savage turned good guy, and Steamboat was not high on the card when he returned in 1991. Hmm. Interesting. And that was from the Pritchard podcast on the network or just one of his random podcasts? I think, it's, I think it was the random podcast that you can hear but it's not okay. not on the network. So yeah, okay. that is a major what if. What if what if Macho Man Steamboat had the rematch? You know, just never know. I think Macho would have won. <laughs> I'm surprised it never happened in WCW. I mean, Savage was in WWE till ninety three, ninety four, and I don't know what was Savage. I don't know if Steamboat was in WCW in ninety four, but I'm surprised it never happened over there. Yeah, crazy. Um, hmm. So to re- so listen, I'm not forcing you to put perfect day. If you want to keep your list, you you go right ahead. I, I'm just I'm I'm only messing with you. But right now, Graham has Seth number ten, Rock nine, Honky eight, Warrior seven, Jericho six, Brett five, Miz four, Razor three, two Sean, one Macho, and I had ten Honky, nine Orton, eight Jericho, seven Rock. Six Razor, five Sean, four Brett, three Perfect, two Warrior, one Macho. So if you happen to disagree or agree or you want to chime in, you can always contact me and Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. That's his at name. Mine is at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. We have the podcast t-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control. I think they're uh, until the 2nd of December, 20% off. So go ahead, show some love, support the uh, the podcast, the program. If you're on iTunes, give us a nice download, rating, comment, subscribe. Uh, also on SoundCloud and Spotify. Graham, I want to say thank you very much. Uh, thankful for you always doing a show with me every week. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the Thanksgiving, the remainder of the Thanksgiving holiday, and I'll speak to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Randy. Always appreciate it. Thankful for you and the show. Been a great time, as always. One of our longer shows in recent memory, yeah. talking about the uh, Intercontinental Champions, the greatest ice champions of all time. So maybe we'll do a similar show to this in the future. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, enjoy the holiday weekend, my man. I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Adios. All right.